The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab episode 894 for Monday, October 11th, 2021. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found. We take them, we add our own stuff in because, you know, we like this stuff too. We're all geeks here or trying to be geeks, learning to be geeks, learning to be better geeks. We mash all the stuff into an agenda so that on our path, learning to be geeks or learning to be better geeks, we can each learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include BB Edit, your favorite, ZocDoc.com slash MGG, where you can sign up for free. Find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment and napjitsu.com slash MGG. If you're like me and you are a power napper or you want to become one, napjitsu has some stuff to help. So we will talk more about all of that uh, shortly here. But for now, here in uh, Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Trifle, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How are you doing today, Mr. John F. Braun? Eh. All right. Just eh. Like lately, it's yeah. just been eh. We're worried about you, man. How do we, uh, what do we need to do? Maybe you need power naps in your life, or maybe you need something. Ah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't usually nap. Really? Maybe I should take a nap. Oh, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Big fan of the, <laughs> I have a, well, you know, I have my, um, I got to publish this somewhere. It, I, I've built a shortcut uh, on my phone, you know, in the shortcuts app. And uh, it's called nap time. So I just say Siri nap time and it does a few things. The first thing it does is it uh, puts my phone in do not disturb mode, which then also mm. puts my watch in do not disturb mode. Uh, the second thing that it does is it triggers by way of a URL endpoint on my Mac because keyboard maestro does this. If you have keyboard maestro, it'll do it. Uh, you, it will set up a, um, you can set up an, uh, an endpoint so that you can ping a URL on your Mac and it triggers your keyboard maestro macro. And so I have a macro that mutes the sound on my Mac and dims the screen, although the dimming of the screen does not work, but that's okay. At least it mutes the sound so that noises coming out of my Mac don't wake me up. So we've, we've do not disturbed now the phone, the watch and by muting it, the Mac. So we've done those things. Then it sets a 22-minute timer, although I'm thinking about increasing this to 27. I, I, I may increase this to 27. I'm, I'm finding that I, I might want that extra five minutes. Uh, but it sets a 22-minute timer, and then it launches the white noise app, which I have set to start making noise when I launch it. So by just saying Siri nap time, all those things happen. I can just grab my blanket and uh, and curl up on the couch in my office, and I got my 22-minute power nap. So, yeah, it's good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy, but, you know, why not? It's something keeps me from having to do all those things. I just have to, when I, when I get up, I have to remember to un, I suppose I could do this with a shortcut too, but undo not disturb myself. Although I guess maybe, maybe I don't need to use do not disturb anymore. Maybe I need to use a nap time focus. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's there's an evolution to this. 
in addition to adding the five minutes. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. Hey, um, speaking of tips, Lucas has a quick tip for us. Listener, Lucas, this is. Says I'm a few episodes behind, so maybe somebody's already mentioned this. Not yet. But my preferred method for capturing a web page exactly as it displays. So the idea is you see the web page. Now you want to capture that as a something. Uh, he says is Firefox. They have a built in screenshot function that lets you grab the visible portion or the entire page. You can either choose to copy it to the clipboard or download it as a PNG. So it's not doing it as a PDF, but it is pulling it in either, again, either to the clipboard or the, um, you know, to just save it to your downloads folder or whatever it is. Uh, he says the text, of course, turns into an image when you do this, but it does save you a step if you want to insert it into a presentation or send somebody an email with a, a screenshot or whatever. Uh, he says, I customized my toolbar in Firefox to put the screenshot button in there, but there's also a keyboard command, which is command shift S. I looked through all the menus, John. There is no command shift S in hmm. the menus of Firefox. So this is just, you know, the browser grabbing this, you know, not really Mac like because you should be in the menus. But, you know, whatever. Uh, or you can right click on a Web page and choose take screenshot. And then when you're in that screenshot mode, dialogue, whatever, you can also click on an element within the page to just grab a screenshot of that. And it intelligently like you could draw with the crosshairs if you like. But as you float over things in the page, it highlights them like it. I mean, obviously, it's a web browser. It understands HTML elements. And so it will be like, oh, you know, do you want to grab this little div here or whatever? And you say, yeah. And then, boom, it grabs it. But it does grab the whole page regardless of how much is visible on your screen, which is I, I really like that. So thanks for that, Lucas. That's um, that's good stuff. Maybe that's Lucas driving away in the truck now, John, on your uh, on your street there. Could be. Could be. Um, and of course, in Safari, um, in the file menu, save as is a handy option. Is that how we save as a. Uh, as a screenshot in Safari? Um, well, there, there are two choices. There's web archive and page source. The web archive, as far as I can tell, if you double click on it, you see. Yeah, yeah that's not a screenshot. That's that's like it takes it downloads all the resources that it pulled from the web yes. to create that page. And then you can just like re-see that page local, you know, based mm -hmm. on a local thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And they also have, uh, what do they have? Export as PDF. Yes. If you want to do a PDF. Yes. So, uh, yes. So that's what I typically do. For yeah. Safari. Yeah, no, that, and that, that works, right? Like that gets the whole, that is the trick in Safari to get the whole thing, right? Is if we, if we do that and I go to the finder and now I go to the desktop and I look at this. Yeah. Export as PDF gets you the whole page as a PDF. So that's Safari's way of doing it. Yeah. I, that's the one I always forget about. So I mm. appreciate the reminder. It's craziness, but it's good. All right. Um, we have another quick tip. As soon as I pull all this stuff up from, oh yeah, from Steven. Right. So Monterey is on the horizon, right? Like it's, we're, we're, I would say before we see Halloween, we'll see Monterey would be the, uh, the assumption here. And uh, and listener Stephen says, um, 
Oh, where was the tip? I got to find it here. He says, uh, I found that in Monterey, at least in the Monterey recent beta, the reset Bluetooth module is no longer available when you option click the Bluetooth menu in Monterey, John. But listener Stephen found the answer. Uh, You go to the terminal and he and and the idea is you just kill the Bluetooth um, demon, which is the, the little process that manages it all in the background. When you kill that, it relaunches that effectively resets everything right because of the way it works. The command that he told us to use is sudo space p kill space Bluetooth D and that kills off Bluetooth D. But what I did not know about. So so that in and of itself is a tip, right? That's great. But I didn't know about the pkill command, John. I don't know how I missed this, but pkill lets you kill a process in Unix by name, not by um, not by process ID. I always used to use kill all to uh, to do it by name, but pkill lets you kill by name. So, I, you know, we get to learn two things in one tip, which I like. So thanks for that, Stephen. Good stuff. Pretty good, huh, John? Have you started running Monterey yet? No. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm just looking here on my big Sur machine. I thought there was a way to do this from the Bluetooth menu with with a modifier key. Yeah, I think with the option key down, um, you that I mean that's where you've always found it in the past is reset Bluetooth. With, I, yeah, it might not just be option, right? I mean, you, you, you've always been sort of the, the master of this, but um, let's see. So wasn't it not the option key? Maybe it's uh, option shift. Option shift gets you reset the Bluetooth module in Big Sur. Ah, good. Okay. Yep. yep. <laughs> so. Yavol. All right. Evidently not so in Monterey. So I, I was reading Gruber's rant, John Gruber's rant over on daring fireball fireball about uh, Safari 15's tabs, which, and, and general interface, which he's not a big fan of. uh, And and I'll put a link in the article to it. But uh, one thing he, he was complaining about was the inability to like have consistency in the user interface, which is, you know, he's right about, and it also it's like his thing. So not surprising that that he would have these feelings. However, in Safari 15, if you wind up getting a lot of tabs compressed together and you want to close tabs without bringing them forward, if you hover over a tab with the command key down, the favorite icon, the, the little icon that sort of represents the web page that that tab comes from, turns into the X to close the tab. So if sometimes if you float over it, it'll just do that anyway. And then other times you need to hold down the command key. If there's too many there and it starts getting too compressed. Uh, and so that's a, another good way to, um, to, to do that. And that, I think that happens if you have uh, Safari preferences, general automatically collapse tab titles into icons selected that because it will start compressing them as opposed to forcing you to sort of scroll with, um, you know, with that. So, so anyway, there you go. And I, I, I have, wow, man, they're just coming to get you today. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh I have, uh, I have found that, um, 
the unchecking the show color in tab bar option in that same screen, Safari Preferences General, makes life a whole lot easier when I'm using Safari. Like that that whole co- the color spills into the rest of the interface Chrome. It doesn't. I don't know. It, it feels too weird because then it's like, well, where does the web page end and the web browser begin? Because the buttons, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, that's the uh, that's the trick. Command key. So, got it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, speaking of the command key, John, listener Laura points out based on a conversation we were having in the last episode about internet recovery, where I found myself in internet recovery on my 2014 Retina iMac and. Uh, it wanted to install like Yosemite or what, you know, whatever OS the machine came with. Laura points out to us that by using option command R to boot into internet recovery, that will get you the latest version, latest compatible version of Mac OS that will run on that machine. So thank you for that too, Laura. Uh, that's a super handy tip. We like those. Yeah. More, less, more. More. All right. More from last episode. Donna uh, shares. She said, um, uh, if I heard you correctly, I think you said that you need to sell in order to get an Apple Care Plus prorated refund. You need to sell the device back to Apple. But that is not the case. She says, I've done this before and I simply canceled Apple Care Plus by contacting Apple and then received a prorated refund minus a small service fee and sold my iPhone to a private party. I've done this several times and it's fine. I just checked the Apple support document and sure enough, it confirms this. So yeah, I was incorrect last time. You do not have to uh, trade into Apple to get a prorated refund on your Apple care. You can, you can get that refund and then sell it to somebody else, or I suppose not sell it to someone else. If you just decide you're done with Apple care plus on your, on your phone, you can, uh, you know, you can, you can get, get your money back. That's great. Sure. Yeah. Good. Any, any more thoughts on that, John? Nope. I like getting money back. Money back is good. Uh, Dave Wiskus uh, on Twitter posted a, uh, there's a thread out there, which we'll link to about how you can create, you can upload an audiogram to your iPhone so that your headphones will go through a the custom EQ as mapped out by this audiogram and and you can create an audiogram using the Mimi hearing test app so it will figure out where you have deficiencies in uh in your hearing and then create this audiogram that tells your phone how to compensate for those deficiencies mm. in your hearing and make things sound better for you so, uh, so there's a thread on this, but that's, that's essentially it. So you, um, you know, you use the, the hearing test app, or if you've already got a, um, you know, if you've already got an audiogram somewhere else, but then you go into, uh, into accessibility and you can upload your, um, your, uh, you know, your audiogram there and then, and then it just maps. So yeah, you, uh, you go to settings, accessibility, audio, visual, headphone accommodations, custom audio setup, and then use audiogram and then upload your audiogram and you're good to go. Which is pretty amazing. 
pretty cool to be able to do that stuff so so it's like an equalizer that's exactly what it is yeah okay yeah it's figuring out like you know you let's say you know you do the audiogram and like i have a a little bit of 6k loss in in one of my in my right ear Mm. and so it would presumably if i'm honest with the hearing test which i highly recommend you you are (laughs) well otherwise you're not going to get the right data uh but then it'll build a profile essentially an eq profile that says, okay, you know, you, you right here is a, you know, 2 dB loss at 6K and, you know, whatever else you might have in each year. It'll do the test for each year individually. And then uh, and then it saves that as a, a map in this standard format. And then, yeah, your phone, you slurp that in and then it applies the opposite as the EQ. So it's like, oh, if you have a 2 dB loss in your right ear at, six, uh, at uh, 6K, well, then we'll give you a 2 dB boost. And you're right here at 6K and it flattens out the sound and then things sound like the artist intended. Unless the artist also has hearing loss and did not use an audiogram, in which case, you know, maybe things don't sound quite as good anymore. Because, you know, if the artist has and a lot of musicians do, uh, for obvious reasons, have a lot of high frequency hearing loss, which happens a as you expose yourself to loud music and b as you age uh, two things that generally tend to happen to musicians. So, um, you know, if you, if you were to hear it as the artist intends, you might wind up with way more high end than you wanted, but that's okay. <sighs> it's always, it's always a pleasure trying to like tune monitor wedges for m- musicians who have lost yeah. hearing over the years. I don't recommend using monitor wedges. I, I recommend using in-ears so that you can keep the volume low. Of course, I know musicians who have moved to in-ears, and continue to crank the volume up super loud in their ears. And it's like, you know, it doesn't automatically protect you. You have to use the tool. But anyway. All right. Uh, where are we here, John? It always worries me when there's someone nearby, like on public transportation, and I can hear their earphones. I'm like, dude, you're going to lose your hearing. Oh, that if, may I or- can hear, if I can hear it at a, at a distance, it's too loud. That's not necessarily true. It depends on the earphones, right? Because a, a lot of earphones are ported, and so they, they are literally sending sound out the, the back as they're sending it in. So it's not – it may be true. Like it, it, mm-hmm. Certainly people, as, as humans, we all suffer – and in fact, we have a Cool Stuff Found coming up where, where I will prove this to you, but um, – to all of you. But we all suffer from the – louder is better uh phenomenon right like you can hear the same thing and if it's you know if it's you know 3db louder uh, the second time you'd be like that's amazing that's not so much better it's like well yeah but is it any better or is it just need to be balanced um and a lot of people tend to listen too loud uh for their for their own health but but not like it depends on the earphones i guess is what i'm saying they, they, the ported ones to do okay. tend to send sound to others way easier. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, but before we get to cool stuff found bill, well, you know, this is, I had it in quick tips, but Bill's thing could arguably be cool stuff found because he found it and it's cool. Um, he noticed that in iOS 15, the, um, uh, it, it has an expired passes group in the wallet. He says, uh, I prepay for parking at the airport when I travel and I store the QR code in the Apple wallet on my phone. 
When I returned from a trip last Friday, I was shocked to see the pass missing in my wallet app. I had no recollection of deleting it. Fortunately, I had the same QR code in my email and I was able to get out of the parking lot. Later, I stumbled across a reference to expired passes in my wallet. Lo and behold, there was the parking pass and lots of other old concert tickets, airline boarding passes, etc. This is something new in iOS 15 and it auto hides passes. You can do this. Uh, you can toggle this if you go into settings, wallet and Apple Pay hide expired passes. That seems to be on for most of us by default. And um, he says the wallet probably treated the parking pass as expired because the date on the pass was the date that he arrived at the lot, not the date he was due to leave the lot. But I love this. It always it always drives me crazy when I open up my wallet to, you know, like after I've added a boarding pass or whatever, I open up my wallet and I find, you know, four boarding passes from the prior trip or whatever. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I got to go delete those. And, you know, concert tickets, obviously, are, you know, things that also wind up getting stored in there. So I, I like this sort of auto cleaning. And even even better is in the expired passes view, you can go into an edit thing and select all and delete them all at once, which has been a major mm. pain prior to this, right? You had to go and edit, delete each pass one by one. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal, but this lets you just see them and be like, yeah, I want to delete everything except that one, you know, whatever. So, so thank you, Bill. Good, uh, good quick tip slash cool stuff found. I like it. Yeah, I actually had one. What'd you have? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Any, any, anything juicy? Um, I don't think so. Um, right. yeah, I think I deleted mine when I found bills, but I'll look, uh, chase private client arts and culture card. Okay. Yeah. Something from my bank. I guess I could get into uh well, I can't anymore cause it expired. That's right. Yeah. I think that was, I could get into certain venues in, uh, Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. Arts and culture. Mm. There you go. Cool. Yeah, well. Yeah, Let's I will see if I can get another one. I need more art and culture. We all do. In my life. Yeah. <laughs> we we missed out on a lot of that during uh during COVID times here. Yeah, I, I mean, evidently I have six of them. Parking two parking passes and two boarding passes and two uh hmm. two concert passes. So you know, concert tickets, I should say. So yeah. parking passes? Parking really? passes. Uh huh. That's what uh, that's what Bill had too. Yeah. I I mean anytime I use Parkwiz or whatever. It puts it in the huh. puts it in the app. It's great. You get to the garage, hold out your phone, scan the barcode, and you go. When it's time to leave, do the same thing. There you go. You use it all the time. Yeah, if you're not Parkwiz, is a fantastic service. Um, I mean, it, it it uses Apple Wallet, which is nice. But even without that, the ability to uh, to book parking, you know, in advance, you generally save a ton of money. You can find out about the lots, like, you know, whether it's obviously covered or uncovered, but also is it valet or, un- mm-hmm. you know, unattended? I generally, especially when I'm going to a concert, dealing with a valet slows things down immensely, usually when you're leaving, you know, the show. So I prefer to have, generally prefer to have a lot where I just can just get in my car and leave. And so Park mm-hmm. was, yeah, it's great, man. And and then you can reserve parking for uh, we went to see a show, went to see the Jonas Brothers last week, actually, at Fenway Park. Mm. And uh, Park was helped us find a great little lot that was just perfect. So, yeah, it was good. Wow. Yeah, I still. um, Man, you know, I use old fashioned paper and uh, and money. 
Well, yeah, but that doesn't work if you need to book in advance. Right. Right. right? I mean, if going to concerts, <laughs> lots fill up. So, yeah, no, 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 no. It's good. Yeah, Mac Vader in the chat room at live.macgeekab.com says he still has his Cirque to Mac 11 ticket in his wallet. We use mm-hmm. Tito for that, TI-TO, to do those tickets. Um, I don't have mine in my wallet anymore, Mac Vader. <laughs> but um, actually, I don't know that I ever did now that, I'm, now that you mentioned it. I, I might not have assigned myself a ticket for that event. But I, for some reason, I was searching for something about Cirque to Mac. Oh, somebody who's like creating a Wikipedia page for Mac Observer and wanted to know about Cirque du Mac. And, and so I looked up something and found the Tito link for CDM 11. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe it was CDM 10. We used them for two years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I snuck in. Right, same. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I snuck in with the band. I, I didn't have a ticket. Yep, there you go. Um, moving into cool stuff found, I have a question for all of you. So you can email your answers to feedback at MacGeekab.com if, uh, if, if you are so inclined. We'd love to hear from you. I think I heard you right, Dave. You said feedback at MacGeekab.com. That is correct. Feedback at MacGeekab.com is where you're going to answer this question for us. What are your favorite MagSafe accessories? I mentioned last week that I was, I'm starting to see the light on the benefits of MagSafe. It's, uh, you know, obviously like car mounts, it's great. Uh, if if you need that sort of thing, charging, of course, you know, but like the wallet, like I, I'm starting to grok when and why and how and where you might use that. But I'm really curious how you are using MagSafe. So let us know at, like we said, feedback at MacGeekab.com. But I would uh, and then we'll include that stuff in Cool Stuff Found. Like we're going to include the note that Lee sent us. Last week or two weeks ago, I think it was just last week, we were talking about, again, about some of our new favorite wall chargers. And Lee says, uh, I have used trip lights chargers over the years, and uh, and I'm, I find them to be quite good. And sure enough, he sent us a link to a page. Trip light has been, you know, they make, uh, I always knew them as the people who make surge protectors and, and even battery backup, like UPS units. But they also make chargers and power banks and things like that. And uh, and so we have a, a link to and they've got, you know, they've got some that, that like they've got a four port wall charger that does 100 watt power delivery uh, with two USB-C, two USB-A. So, I mean, they've they've got, you know, things with lots of different options depending on what you need and different sizes and shapes. And so, yeah, thanks for the heads up. I never knew that they were making um Making chargers. So. Yeah. It's good. Looks like they got some GAN stuff, so yeah. that, that will make you happy. It makes everybody happy, man. It's lightweight. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you, you, you don't, <laughs> the GAN stuff doesn't, you don't care about that? Lightweight, lower, uh, lower heat output? Um, it, 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 if I had a choice between getting it and not getting it, I, I'd get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Putting it in my, in my, like, you know, carry bags, the GAN stuff is mm-hmm. great because you get, you know, more juice for um, for less weight. Just I, I like it's good. Richie has a, a cool stuff found reminder. He says, I've read many reviews uh, of the iPad mini six where people are complaining that it no longer has a headphone jack. Well, for $9, Apple sells the USB-C to headphone jack adapter. Not too expensive, and it does the job just fine. Thanks for the reminder, Richie. That's, you're absolutely right. It's one of those Apple things that is 
not overpriced. I'm sure you could probably find a less expensive USB-C to audio adapter on uh, online, but but I mean, you got to remember that has. I'm pretty sure that has a a a, a DAC in it, right? It converts from digital uh, to analog right in the. Oh. I mean, it would have to, right? Like, I mean, well, there's not one somewhere else. So, I yeah. So, anyway, get a tiny little DAC for for nine bucks. If I'm wrong about that, let me know. But I'm pretty sure that it would have to have a DAC in it. Like, I am pretty sure. I think my iPhone eight came with a lightning to three and a half inch. That makes sense. Adapto thing, which had a DAC in it at the time. Yeah. Which, yeah, I'm speculating it. It also has a tiny little DAC. In no, there. that, that one I'm pretty, I'm, we went through that one like that. The, the lightning to, to, uh, to headphone definitely has a DAC in it. I remember seeing mm. a tear apart on it or something. So yeah, cool. Um, more on that or uh, time to go to Andrew here? No, no, we're good. Okay. Uh, Andrew says, uh, he, 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 well, he, he wound up getting the new Rode, uh, NT mini USB microphone and he sent us some audio samples from the microphone. One or he sent us some audio samples. One was him reading text into the microphone Two was his uh, reading the same text into his MacBook microphone. And if I play these at the same volume, you might like the latter better than the former. But if I crank the volume, you'll find that you like the uh, the road. You'll probably find that you like the road better. So let me let me see if I can let me see if I can do this here. So here's him in his MacBook microphone. And here it is on the MacBook microphone. An earthquake that hit northeast Victoria was felt across New South Wales, with people in parts of Sydney feeling their home shake. The 5.9 magnitude earthquake was recorded near Mansfield. Okay, so there's that. Now let's hear the road. I'm not touching the gain on this yet, but about halfway through, I'll boost it up to match. An earthquake that hit northeast Victoria was felt across New South Wales, with people in parts of Sydney feeling their home shake. The 5.9 magnitude earthquake was recorded near Mansfield, around 180 kilometers. So for me, once I brought that up so that it it actually matched the volume level, uh, I like the sound of that road. It's got a nice round tone. It's um, it's not picking up too much room noise. The the MacBook microphones. This is a, a 2020 M1 MacBook Pro, so it's got all all of Apple's latest you know, noise canceling technology that they put into all the microphones. Uh, I think it started with yours, John, your um, 2019 Intel 16 inch MacBook pro Mm -hmm. uh, where they, they really started like tweaking those things for, you know, uh, like, like zoom calls and things like that. Uh, So, you know, they both do a good job at that, but I like the round tone of that, that road. So thanks for that. We'll put a link. It's like 99 bucks for that, that little USB mic. So, and he said he was about first recording. I heard a little, I'll call it bounce. Yeah. Or reflection. Yeah. Where I didn't hear it in the second one. So agreed. Yeah. And a lot, I, it like for me, that first one has some artificial high end to it. And here it is on the MacBook microphone. An earthquake that hit northeast Victoria was felt across New South Wales. 
whereas this one doesn't. An earthquake that hit northeast Victoria was felt across New South mm-hmm. Wales. You know, there's just not quite as much of that sort of artificial sibilance uh, on the mm-hmm. uh, from the road. So, yeah, thanks for sending those in, Andrew. It's a, it was a good um, a good little exercise to go through. Um, yeah, keeps it fun. Oh, we have all kinds of stuff. In fact, we have more cool stuff found to share, but specifically answering our you answering our questions about what keyboards you like to use. So I'm, I'm eager to do that. The next thing that I'm eager to do, if we're all set here, John, is I want to talk about our um, our, our sponsors for the day. Dandy. All right. Look, has this ever happened to you? You need to see a doctor. You search and you find one that looks good. You wait on hold, of course, to book an appointment. You rearrange your schedule. And when you finally go in, you find out the doctor doesn't even take your insurance. Ugh. But there's a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, reviews, imagine that, yep, you can do that, and book an appointment in person or on video. You never wait on hold with a receptionist again, whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, an eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. And you can go to ZocDoc.com, easy for me to say, ZocDoc.com slash MGG, and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and you can be one of them. I'm one of them. It's my go-to now whenever I need to see a doctor. It's fantastic. Like it's it 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 is as easy as I'm saying. It like I've tried this. It just works because ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG. Look, see, I can say it. And download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc.com slash MGG. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Listen, if you're like me, you love a good midday nap, right? In fact, we're not alone. The likes of Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, and even Stephen King, my neighbor from Maine, have been known to be nappers. So why do we feel guilty when we allow ourselves to take that afternoon snooze? No longer. Nap Jitsu, our next sponsor here, is a new way to recharge your body and your brain, and they're committed to changing the culture around rest and napping because Nap Jitsu's natural supplements were made by people who know how it feels to be tired and busy. I never like to say busy, I like to say productive. Their patent pending formulas have natural ingredients like B vitamins, guarana, and ginseng to give you that boost of energy without the crash that often happens with other things later. Each Napjitsu product provides brain boosting nootropics to unlock steady energy right when you need it. The result, your peak performance all day long. I've tried this stuff. It actually works. I'm a 
you know me, I'm a huge fan of the power nap and you take the nap jitsu supplements and then you take the nap and you wake up and you're like, that's when they start like kicking in and everything is good. It's fantastic because they're packaged into these small packets. So you take them whenever and wherever you might need that little energy boost. It's great for a limited time. You get to receive 30% off your first purchase. When you go to napjitsu.com slash MGG, go to napjitsu.com slash MGG for 30% off your first purchase today. That's N-A-P-J-I-T-S-U.com slash MGG. Our thanks to Napjitsu for sponsoring this episode. Next up is BB Edit. Listen, you know we love BB Edit. You know that it's open on my computer right now. Why do you know that? Because it's always open on my computer. I'm using it for all kinds of different things. Sure, whenever I do some coding... I do it in BB Edit. Like that's that's a no brainer. If I have to edit text files on my Mac, be they plist files or just regular text files or shell scripts, whatever, I go to the command line and instead of typing like nano or like vi and the file name, I type BB Edit and the file name, and it opens up in BB Edit. And then I get my full graphical editor. I can use my mouse. I can use my cursor keys. It's like I'm not, I'm not in the terminal anymore. It's wonderful. I love it. Well, BB Edit adds more than that, but that's why I have BB Edit open all the time because it's that and more. The new BB Edit 14 has a note system that helps you avoid the clutter of untitled text documents. You know, if you're a BB Edit user, you have, I don't just mean untitled text documents. I mean, documents named untitled text. You're going to get dozens of these if you're a BB Edit user. No more. Now, you use their notes system where you can create notes from any convenient source, your clipboard, whatever, and the notes are automatically named and managed by BB Edit. It's so good. And they have their generous eval model. You get to try the whole thing out for 30 days of full function. And then if you if you've already done that in the past, you know, cuz they've been doing this a long time. You might have tried it out in the past. Well, guess what? With this new version, you get to do that again. It's great. And you get to try it out for 30 days. After 30 days, some of the features, but not all of them, go away. So then you get to decide if it makes sense to buy or just keep using the free version. Go check it out. Barebones.com slash store. That's where you want to go because that's where you're going to get discounted upgrade pricing for existing BB Edit customers. You get that 30-day trial and you get to check it all out. Again, barebones.com slash store. Our thanks to BB Edit for sponsoring this episode. All right. It's keyboard time. Uh, Jeremy starts us out. We had asked a couple of episodes ago what your favorite third party or generally keyboards were. It could be Apple. It couldn't be something else, someone else. And uh, and you delivered. So Jeremy starts us off with the DOS keyboard, mechanical keyboards. He says, I love the clicky real keys on this so much so that I bought the Windows version for my desk at work if I ever go back there. And they have all kinds of options uh, there if you go to DOS, D-A-S keyboard dot com. But uh, but they, you know, they at least the ones he sent us here have the uh, they most of them, I think, use the Cherry MX uh, switches, which are known in, especially in like the gaming community is like killer switches that will, you know, just last and last and last. I think they, they also use some gamma Zulu switches, which is not a switch brand I've heard of, but the cherry MX, those for sure. Um, that's, it's good stuff. So yeah. All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that recommendation. They seem to, uh, they started about 
uh, I think you started about 120 bucks and go up from there. So yeah, very cool. They even have some Mac specific ones, which is really always nice to see because it's nice to have like the right keys and it say command when you know, you're hitting command. So that's good. The DOS keyboard. What do you got next, John? DOS keyboard. DOS keyboard. Um, well, Scott has some things for us. Uh, talking about keyboards, I have the Logitech MX Keys and MX Ergo. Uh, MX Keys being a keyboard and MX Ergo being uh, a trackball. I originally purchased them because it allows me to instantly change which computer they worked on by hitting a key or moving the mouse between screens. Um, oh, that's like, that's like going to be in the... Yeah. yeah, it's like what uh, Apple is yeah, doing. Right. In, yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah. In Monterey. Yeah. Um, it is also nice that I like the feel of the keyboard. Yeah. Um, and looking at it, so here's some of the, the nice features about it. So um, let me see here. So it's backlit. That's nice. Um, and yeah, as mentioned, there's a, a feature that lets you uh, bop between uh, machines uh, almost effortless, effortlessly. <laughs> easy, easy for you to say. It also looks like they're, um, like they're the the scissor keys, not the the clicky keys, right? The full travel or whatever they are. This is more like the the Apple current Apple keyboards with the scissor keys. So, mm-hmm. which is you know different, but also quite nice and probably much quieter than the clicky ones. So. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. He had, did, yeah. go ahead. No. And then the Ergo, the uh, trackball. This is the style I personally am not crazy about uh, in that the ball I, I found um, when trying trackballs that, um, so I have the uh, Kensington right. and uh, the trackball, the ball in this is, I'm pretty sure the same size as a pool ball. Oh, um, I see. Okay. Yeah. Like then they have this there. class where it's a little smaller and I found it doesn't quite get the inertia that, mm. that I like to feel in the ball, but, um, but he likes it. So thought we passed that along. And there's also the one that I have and let, let me, let me post the link to it. Oddly enough, if you try to, so I have the um, Logitech solar keyboard. So the nice thing about that is, um, you know, it charges it. the The keyboard that that he mentioned um, charges by a USB C. Okay. So okay. Yeah. Um, good. So so it's not solar, but um, that's cool. And it says it, it'll run like ten hours on a charge. Okay. So that's yeah. Good. Got it. Sure. But Logitech says that your solar keyboard with a K seven hundred and fifty is no longer available. Yeah, but I'm looking at a page on. Uh, on Amazon and and it is <laughs> okay. So they've got some overstock or whatever. All right. Well, yeah, if you want one of those, get it quick. Cause it doesn't look like it's going to last. It yeah. looks like it's been EOL'd, which is not surprising. I mean, you know, it's a keyboard. Logitech does this all the time. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Listener, John. Um, so yeah, replace the link that I put in the show notes, John, with the Amazon link you found just so that we've got, um, Mm-hmm. We've got a place to send people where they can actually get it. Uh, the uh, how do you well before I talk about listener John, how do you how like do you, you I assume you use this keyboard indoors mostly. Do you ever have problems with it being charged like because the solar is not getting enough light to 
to power I it? I have never seen it go below 100% battery. <laughs> okay. Ever. That's good news then. Oh, yeah, that's so nice. I'm, yeah. Well, my keyboard's near a window, so it's it's always getting a charge. Well, not at night, but yes. Yeah. But yeah. even now, if I hit the... Uh, so there's actually a special button on the keyboard where you press it and it brings up like their keyboard assistant. And yep, yep looking at it, 100%. And I'm getting now 25 lux. Okay. Of light power, I guess that's light, a measure of light intensity. Okay. All right. That's nice. Cool. Cool. Uh, listener John uh, also sings the praises of that Logitech MX keys uh, keyboard. Mm. And he said, uh, he said something about it. He says, uh, I love this thing. The backlit keys and that wonderful key feedback are just a few things that I love the most about it. Highly recommend you check it out. And it turns out that listener Jeff in the chat room says, I too love my MX keys. So, Seems like this is a popular keyboard to go with. That's that's it's a lot of recommendations for one keyboard. All right. Good stuff. Anything more on that, John, before we move on? Moving on. All right. And then listener Tim brings us to an open source keyboard. He says uh, you should check out the launch keyboard by System76. It's a mechanical keyboard made in Denver, Colorado. The hardware and software are open source, and the keyboard works with Mac OS, Linux, and Win Windows. It's at system76.com, and of course, we put a link in the show notes for you. System76 makes a lot of cool hardware along with their own Ubuntu-based Linux distribution. Wow, very cool. Okay, I like this. Oh, yeah. All right, cool. Very good. Very good. Uh, I'd never heard of this System76 before, John. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, you know, okay. So it's a keyboard. It doesn't look like it has a numeric keypad. So they've got their, um, it's got a split space bar. That's interesting. I wonder why you would want that. Uh, oh, because you can change the function of one of them. Right. Interesting. 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 I like it. No conversation about keyboards for the Mac would be complete, I think, without at least a brief mention of the keyboards that Matthias has been making for years, especially their Tactile Pro keyboard. That was the first one that sort of uh, emulated, well, not emulated, but it gave us the functionality and feel that we liked from Apple's old Battleship keyboard. And, uh, uh, you know, with the, with the movement, with the, the, the clicky keys and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, that tactile pro that's been around for a while, but they have lots of them now. They've got an ergo pro keyboard. They have a Dvorak layout keyboard. That's pretty cool. Right. I like this stuff. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. I don't know. Any thoughts on that, John, before we, uh, no, before we keep moving on here, um, on the keyboard front, we got a, a tip and a question. So we will we will go to both of those. The tip is actually two tips. It comes from listener L. And she says, I, I have a Touch ID keyboard on my Mac Mini. Of course, it's Apple's keyboard. Uh, but what she says is, is pretty cool. Finger one is set for my primary account. Finger two is set to my clean admin account. Finger three is for my partner's account. 
And that means that once the accounts are logged in, a finger press switches accounts and I can authorize admin actions on any of the accounts with Touch ID. This is really interesting. So if you have um, even just two accounts logged in, if you make your user account not an admin account, but then you also log in your clean admin account when it's time to authenticate, you just use your admin account finger and authenticates that one and you're good to go. This see, I like this. This is this is a cool way of doing things. Yeah. In addition, L adds, I've added Touch ID to uh, Etsy slash Pam slash sudo so that I can sudo issue a sudo command and then use Touch ID to authorize. So when you're in the terminal and like the, the command we talked about before, whatever that was um, uh, to kill the Bluetooth thing in Monterey, it's sudo space pkill slash Bluetooth T. And that's because the pkill command needs to be running as root in order to kill Bluetooth T. So you need to put sudo sudo in front of it. Super user do. At least that's how I think of it. Maybe it's not super user do, but anyway, um, when you're in the terminal and you type that, it asks you for your password. Well, it turns out there's a way, according to L, to add touch ID to the approved authentication methods for the terminal. And you do it via this, this long command where you're essentially adding um, slash etc slash pam dot d slash. Uh, oh, wait, wait, what was it? It's a, it's a whole thing. Sorry. Uh, Pam.d slash sudo, yeah, to the to to the 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 roots cron tab. So anyway, the command it's not worth walking through here because none of us will ever remember it. Thankfully, we have copy and paste in our in our court, and so it is one line that you add to the cron tab on uh, on root, which you would edit by typing sudo space cron tab dash e, and then. Uh, and then you just add this line and it adds the touch ID as a, an approved authentication method for sudo and you're good to go. It's pretty good. I like this. This, these are the geeky things that I love learning. I feel like I'm way past my five things, John. So <laughs> this is good. So, and I think we can like, obviously, you know, this was about doing it on the uh, external keyboard on a Mac mini. Yeah. The, the, they like the tip too. Um, mm-hmm. But the, uh, yeah, I, I see no reason why this wouldn't work on laptops that have touch ID. So I'm definitely going to do this on my, on my, um, you know, my MacBook air. So I always have to remember what, like what kind of laptop I'm running. I don't know. I keep forgetting. Uh, well, they're all the same, like in terms of CPUs now, like it's an M one laptop. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, can either get the one with the fan or one without. That's how I look at it. All right. More on that, or uh, is it time to try and answer Bill's question about his keyboard? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bill asks, he says, uh, where are we here? I got to find him. He says, I'm typing this email on a Bluetooth Apple Magic keyboard that is really starting to drive me crazy. When typing the key, any key often sticks in a virtual way. I don't feel any physical stickiness. But sometimes the keyboard runs away and puts lots of empty spaces. Like literally, he just, it was in there in his email. Uh, backspaces can be as bad, so it'll start deleting things. Other times, a key acts like I'm holding it down and shows me the option of selecting the accented character. All right. So something, he says, keyboard worked for years and uh, for about four years, but now it's not. So it sounds like the keyboard 
is or the Mac is acting like the key is being held down either the space bar or, you, you know, whatever. If you hold down, I guess that's true, right? If you hold down like, you know, the I key or whatever, you get the uh, yeah, you get the little option in the corner of the screen where it says, you know, you can choose the I with umlauts and all the other options. So um, this one, John, you know, it seems like Bluetooth interference to me. Because it's happening to every key on the keyboard intermittently, but frequently enough, uh, you know, th- this is where, again, you know, it's if I were there, what would I do next? That's how I always approach these questions. Like we don't necessarily just know the answers is we know what to try next. And the thing I try next is looking around to see if you added or got a USB three hard drive uh, or anything else that would interfere with 2.4 gigahertz connections. But USB three hard drives are the the regular culprits for Bluetooth because they're all sort of close by each other and simply try moving that hard drive, you know, keep it behind your computer as opposed to like in front of your computer between the keyboard and the, the thing. Like I, I definitely have this problem down on, on my computer in the office if I'm not careful about like where I place certain things. So that would be the first thing I'd look for is what do you have that would be interfering? Uh, if, and I forget which model keyboard this is, but if it's one of those where you can plug it in via lightning to charge it, but also plug it in via lightning just to use it, try that for a day. Hmm. That would rule out whether there's a physical problem with the keyboard. Cause if it's, if it is, well, you'd also get it when connected wired over lightning. So that would, that would be another sort of way to test it. If we were, if we were there. So I don't know. And also ask yourself, well, first uh, turn off the microwave Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that That's a source of interference. The other thing I'm thinking is, have you gotten any new Wi-Fi toys lately? Because a lot of them talk on 2.4. Some talk on 5. But uh, so just ask yourself if you've, what has changed in your environment? It, it could could be a, a new device is, is upsetting your keyboard. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. You got anything else on that or is it time to move on? No. More, unfortunately, more t- I've never run into any. It, it, to me, it's just a theory. I, I've never run into uh 2.4 gigahertz uh, interference. Interesting. It happens. Yeah, it definitely happens. Do you, do you have any USB three hard drives connected to your Mac? Sometimes. Oh, well, there you go. My backup, uh, my external uh, or clone drives. Yeah, the enclosure is a USB three. It's USB three. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because that, I mean, that's generally the the thing. I have one that's connected all the time, and it's it's where I store my photos and my music and you know things. So it's constantly in use. And like I said, if I'm not careful about where I have that placed, it 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 can cause me a world of hurt. So (laughs) yeah, and the the cable that I have is is like a heavy duty shielded cable. That's uh, another thing to think about. Yeah, I don't. You're running into interference issues. Is is the get cable, a beefy cable? Is the cable part of that? I thought it was the the circuitry of the interface, not the not the like the transmission of it. But I I could be wrong about this. I but I didn't think the cable mattered here, other than the length of it, which gives you the ability to set the mm-hmm. the drive further away. But whenever I've solved these problems, it's using a longer cable. To, or mm. or the existing cable, but you know, to move the 
the drive itself further away. I, I don't. Yeah, my my experiential knowledge would say it's it has nothing to do with the, the, the cable is not emitting mm-hmm. this interference. It's the you know, the interface in the enclosure. So it's but it's mm-hmm. possible you've got a, a an enclosure that's better shielded for whatever reason than, you know, mm-hmm. shielded well enough, not better shielded, but well and shielded well enough for your environment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. All right, uh, let's go to listener Tom here, who has a question about Monterey. He says, I have an older Mac of 5K Retina mid-2015, and uh, it, continu- it continues to serve all my needs. I would like to move from Big Sur to Monterey, which requires an iMac late 2015 or newer. I'm looking for your guidance, experience, direction on moving to a non-Apple-supported version of macOS on my current iMac. I'm concerned about things like future macOS point updates, application support, new capability limitations, performance, etc. I don't want to get caught. Are there any reputable online sources that I could use to install the unapproved versions of Monterey on my uh, unsupported Mac? He says, I do expect to purchase the first large screen iMac version that has an ARM based, you know, M series chip, whatever that's going to be called when it becomes available. Hopefully not too much longer of a wait. So. Uh, uh, I've never had it. I've been tempted to head down the path of installing unsupported or, you know, uh, the latest Mac OS on an unsupported older Mac that I have. Right. And I've looked into it uh, and there are online sources with plenty of information and, you know, help and all of that stuff. But all of the things you mentioned, Tom, the, you know, point updates, breaking things, applications not running right because they're expecting libraries to work that don't because your Mac doesn't have the hardware to support them. Uh, you know, any new other new capability limitations, literally all of the things you mentioned, including performance, are the reasons that I've always stopped in my tracks. It's like, yeah, you can often do it. I don't know that I've seen anybody doing it for Monterey yet, but I also haven't looked. So it's possible they're out there already and they probably are figuring out how to how to make this work. But, you know, Apple doesn't generally choose to make a Mac or make an operating system unsupported on a given Mac arbitrarily. Usually there is a specific reason, you know, like when, when there were all those machines whose graphic cards didn't support metal. And then when the operating system required metal, that was the day that you couldn't run the new operating system on, you know, on those Macs and those Macs were still plenty fast, but they just didn't have hardware uh, that that metal supported and, you know, Apple was moving forward and needed to be able to leverage all those technologies. And so they did. Uh, it, but th- those are generally the reasons why your machine's not supported anymore. It's it's it. I've rarely seen it where I would say, well, that feels like a, a money grab. Right. I, it does, it's never really felt that way. It's been more of a technology limitation. And and so I think if even if you can make it work, you're going to wind up with a. You know, you know me, I like living on the bleeding edge, but that just felt like more headache than I wanted to inherit to just to run a computer. Yeah, Mac Vader in the chat room, John, says, I've done it on my 2008 Mac Pro, but it also means you can't run all the programs because of graphics cards for one thing. Yeah. So I don't know. You've never messed with that, have you, John? I haven't heard you mention it over the years. Mm, no, I'm, I'm with you in that there's probably a good reason that. <laughs> yeah. 
You'll find that reason real fast, too, I think, if you do it. Like, again, I mean, might, if, I mean if you want to, I mean, you, you could run a virtual machine. Uh, not for a newer OS. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that would work because it doesn't have the hardware on which to virtualize it. Right. Mm. I, I I don't think so. I could be wrong about that too. Um, yeah. Mac Vader talks about it more as a fun project than a, mm. you know, than, than something to just rely on. Like it's going to work full time for you. So, but there are people that do it and people that live that way. So if, if I were you, I would hold off. I mean, you know, like, like me here in the studio, there are some things about Monterey actually that tempt me to upgrade the studio sooner than I normally would. But generally speaking, this machine here in the studio runs the, whatever the, the latest, I put it on the latest OS sometime in May, uh, which means it's been out for six months. And it's usually because there's, you know, I'm waiting for hardware drivers for, you know, the audio interfaces I use or, you know, whatever. And, and so, um, it it doesn't really hurt usually to to wait, especially just a few months. And if that's what we think, and I agree with you in thinking this, that that's what it's going to take to get the new, you know, 27 inch, 32 inch, whatever, large screen M1 or large screen Apple Silicon based iMac to come out, uh, then I would just wait. And that, I, I mean, I say that as advice for, for you, Tom. And I also say it as advice for me because I think I'm going to wind up heading down that same path and upgrading to Monterey when that comes out and putting that machine here in the studio. So we shall see. We shall see. Although this studio machine will happily run Monterey. It's a 2019 iMac, so it's, it's mm. going to be fine. But I, I like the idea of running a machine here in the podcast studio without a fan. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a pain in the neck having to run turbo boost switcher to like mm -hmm. keep it under wraps. It's like... There's, a, there's an engineering issue with the way Apple has dealt with Intel and core audio. And it causes anytime you're doing mm. anything with audio uh, on the Mac, especially input with audio, it it causes the CPU to go into turbo boost mode, even though you're it, it's not that you're pegging the CPU. I mean, you, you know, I think I think your CPU at this point is probably at what, 20 percent, maybe, you, you know. But if you didn't run Turbo Boost Switcher, we'd be hearing your fans running because the CPU'd be running at, at Turbo Boost, and that is what causes it to heat up. So, I don't know. Not happy the way it always works. But anyway, it's fine. Yeah, because mine is, I mean, mine's sitting at, I don't know, yeah, 20% or something like that. It's 80% idle. Yeah. So, what am I at? 20%? Yeah. And we've have you have turbo boost switcher running like like I do right in order to right. keep the fans yeah it's crazy so it's not doesn't need it don't know why it does it yeah I gotta say I'm not crazy about the whole turbo boost thing it's like just give me give me the gigahertz man right right well I I, I mean I think that it's the power savings part of it mm. right I mean I like on laptops especially but also on desktops like there's no reason to use the power if you don't need it. I just don't understand why you you would crank it up when when you don't need the CPU. Like the, it's there's no con, there's no strain on the CPU. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's I'm sure this decision was not made arbitrarily. I'm sure that somebody said, well, and it's probably because audio requires you know real time timing 
because it's audio and we mm-hmm. have to hear it in order. Otherwise it sounds wrong. And so maybe it was, well, we don't want the CPU fluctuating. So let's get the speed up there and then we can mm-hmm. just rely on it that way. Whereas okay. I, I like, like I, I, I'm just, I'm truly speculating. Right. But that seems like a, a possible conversation that might've happened in engineering. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we want to just, we want to have, we want to be able to predict where the CPU is going to be. So let's crank it all the way up. And then of course the fan runs, which kind of sucks for audio recording. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. All right. We should keep going here though. Cause we have, we have a little bit of time. Uh, Mark asks a question that I think we have a quick answer to. Mark says, how can I stop Excel uh, from autocorrecting text that looks like a time? So if I type in like, you know, 12 colon three, four, it automatically converts it into, you know, 1900 dash 01 dash 05, you know, 12 colon three, four colon zero, zero a.m., He says, I'm an audio engineer who's trying to use Excel for logging information during a session. But every time I put that in, it changes it and adds a date and all that. If the time wasn't below 24, it changes it to a 12 hour clock, adding AM or PM. And it's frustrating. So I've run into this particular, this general issue on all kinds of spreadsheets, not just Excel. And what it is, is Excel trying to be smart and interpret what you're putting in so that it can format it the way you want. And the way I do it, and this may not make Mark's life any easier, uh, but is, you know, I, I use what I call, I don't know what Excel calls it, but what I call a text formula, John, where I put in equals quotes, one, two, colon, three, four quote. And that way I'm telling by putting equals, it says to Excel, this is a formula, evaluate this formula. And then by putting things Mm -hmm. in quotes, it says, here's a thing that I want you to display. Don't mess with it. And so it doesn't. Whether there's a way to mark a column as not not to be messed with, like only treat this as a string. I've tried and failed in the past, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means I haven't failed enough to succeed. So do you know an answer for that, John? Uh, yeah, I, I don't have Excel. Sure. But yes. When I've run into, um, a productivity app being too smart for its own good, yeah. I typically find that changing the formatting of the cell. Okay. Will work. So, um, in that, I think that overrides the smartness. So if you highlight a column and say, you know, this is a, a integer, yeah, or something it or or uh, text, um, it won't change it on you. Try that. That would be. That, I I feel like that's the path. That path sounds logical to me as you explain it. So I I feel like I might have tried that in the past and failed, but I may not have done it right. So yeah, that but that that makes good sense to me. Hopefully that because that would be a way better solution than mine. So yeah, yeah. But man, I haven't. Haven't run a spreadsheet in, in in years. You'd think I would know how to solve this problem because I I'm in a spreadsheet probably you know 15 times a day for a variety of things, but um, I still just brute force it with equals quotes. So and I'm not seeing anybody in the chat room chiming in with a quick answer. So maybe there isn't one, but who knows? Maybe there is. So all right, moving on. You want to take us to Todd? I feel like we got time for at least Todd, maybe another. 
I think we do. So Todd has some uh, goodies here. All right. Um, all right. So you uh, you mentioned a decomposable AirTag case. I figure I passed along three AirTag accessories that I found to be noteworthy. Cool. Um, the hard shell mount for AirTags by Moment. This is a flat covering for AirTags with an adhesive backing to let you mount your AirTag as you please. I use this to place an air tag in my vehicle behind my rear view mirror, just like I have done. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, I find doing that, uh, putting it on the mirror uh, really increases the range rather than having it like in your little junk drawer or whatever yeah. is in the console. That's cool. Um uh, I don't notice it, but it is in a location where I can still receive signals from passing iPhones. Car theft is an ongoing issue in my neighborhood, and this gives me a slight peace of mind. Uh, doubly so with new iOS 15 improvements to find mine. Yeah. Cool. Um, second up, Tag Vault Keychain. This minimal case contains your air tag in hard plastic. I've placed it on my keys and find it more appealing and rugged than the dangly leather cases that are out there. Okay. Oh, that's then, really nice. Uh, yeah. Okay. I like this. I like and then this the last song. one for our furry friends, or at least I hope they're furry. You might. You might have like a. Uh, uh, oh, a, a Jolo Exquintly. I, I I know I'm mispronouncing that, but that is a hairless dog. We looked at them down when oh. we lived down in Texas. Or or you might have a Sphinx cat, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it's Tag Vault Pet. Um, this attaches your air tag flush against any pet collar. It is minimal and out of the way. No dangling attachments to get caught on things. I know they say don't rely on an air tag to track your pet, but again, it will give me some peace of mind whenever I get mine. Also, bonus points if you train your dog to come when you make the air tag play a sound. <laughs> that I like. <laughs> That's a really good idea. <laughs> that I think you could do. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. If, if only you could change. Oh, it'd be neat. I'm, I'm sure. Um. No, there's probably not a way to do it. Um, it'd be cool if you could change the sound file in the air tag. Oh, right. If you were a developer, you could probably do it. Um, Maybe. I mean, you'd have to. Well, you, you'd, you'd have, have to have know the API. To, yeah. You'd have to know what. There might not be an API. Commands are available. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, clearly an, an embedded device. Yeah, correct. I'm not sure what the processor is in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I wonder what the processor is. Hmm. That's pretty you good. Know? No. No, I I don't know if I fix it has torn apart. I fix it. Air tag. Teardown. I'm sure they've torn one apart, right? Yeah. Uh let's see. Processor. No, uh, what are they telling us about it? They don't know. They do know. We see the batteries. We see the things. It's tiny in there. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little, it's a round, uh, a round board. I don't know that it makes it painfully obvious. It's in, let's see. It is, uh, it's got the Apple U1 ultra wideband transceiver, a Nordic semiconductor NR52832 Bluetooth low energy SOC with an NFC controller. Uh, Ah, okay. SOC, system on a chip. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. So I'm guessing the that's the processor and everything else or lots else, right? 
So yeah, we'll, I'll put a link to their teardown here, but yeah, that's interesting. Ah, I fix it. Air tag teardown. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cool. That's yeah, I love this stuff. You know, it's cause we're geeks. It's how it goes. All right. Uh, do we have more? Oh, do we have more on, on Todd or are we, uh, is, did, did nope. that get us through it? Nope. All right. Thank you. Cool. Todd. Thanks Todd. Yeah. All right, Allison, we were talking about the uh, fixing Apple Watch battery drain, and Allison wrote in, and uh, and she said, uh, I gave the advice of resetting my contact syncing a try, but my Series 6 had started dying in the early evening hours when I used to go to bed with maybe 20% left. The reset of contacts didn't fix my problem, but I accidentally did fix it. I got a new iPhone 13 Pro. And after setting it up from an iCloud backup, I decided to do something more fun with it. I did a nuke and pave. Instead of my phone looking for like my old phone, the same sorry old wallpaper cluttered with tons of apps I never use, I made it look like new. Yeah, it, it, I did this last year, as I think I mentioned recently, and it, it's good to do every few years on the phone. I, I, it, it can be a bit of a pain, as my wife will tell you right now, uh, as she's going through still remembering or still being reminded of settings she needs to tweak to get it just right. But it is good to do every now and then. Uh, Allison continues. What I didn't realize was that I meant was that meant I also set myself up for a pave of my new can pave of my Apple watch. The result has been fantastic. My series six now ends the day with closer to 30% battery left. And that's after doing 90 minutes of exercise with the workouts app each day. That was pretty, it was pretty easy to redo the Apple watch from scratch and it caused me to experiment with some settings I'd forgotten existed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. New can pave is a good thing. Oh, what's going on here? Oh gosh. You know, this is, this is Siri. Freaking Siri. Why was she reading this to me? Nice. I love it. Okay. Well, you got to hear Siri echo me. So that's fun. Hmm. While you're, while you're hearing somebody, you know, gunning their motor outside of your house. What do you think that is, John? Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Motorcycle, probably. Probs. Yeah. Probs. It's motorcycle weather. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And they typically have uh, loud exhaust. They do. Yeah. I think you should turn your desk around. I, I've had this idea for a while because your mm -hmm. microphone is aimed at your window, right? I mean, it's aimed past, you know, past you at your window. So all the sound coming in your window is just being shoved straight down your mic. If you turned your desk around where your desk was like, uh, halfway in the room where you were looking out your window and you know, you had your, your back to the wall. Uh, I think, I think a, you'd get better lighting in there and B we'd probably hear less of the uh, road noise. So, mm. well, you know, just a, so yeah, mix it up a move. little. Yeah. I can move. Uh, buy a new house. well, you could do that too. That's uh, off the extreme, but, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's fun. <laughs> While we're on the subject of the Apple Watch, I'll squeeze one more thing in here before we have to move on our way. And that is from Ben, uh, who writes, he says, in your California streaming follow-up, Dave encouraged John to consider an Apple Watch Series 5 or newer. Don't forget about the Apple Watch SE. It's a great alternative if you don't need all the features of the Series 6. and incredibly similar to the Series 5 with a much better price, especially, uh, you know, new versus refurb. So we are recording this on Friday morning, the 8th. It comes out on the 11th, uh, Friday morning, the 8th. Of course, pre-orders for the Apple Watch Series 7 began. But comparing the SE to the 5 and 6, um, compared to the, the 
the five, the and six, the SE is not always on. So if you like the idea of the screen being always visible, then the SE is not for you, but otherwise great option. It also doesn't have ECG functionality. So if that's something you care about again, um, there you go. And of course the series six adds uh, to a few things that the series five doesn't have, which would be the blood oxygen sensor and, uh, and a different chip, you know, a different wireless chip, but also just the different, um, you know, guts to it. So yeah, it's it. Apple has a, uh, an Apple watch compare screen. And now today it's updated with the series seven. It was not earlier this week. So you get to see what your differences are between the, the default screen compares the seven to the SE to the three, which would be a great place to, to look, but you can also go to compare all models and then see the seven and the six and the SE and the five and the, you know, all the way down to, series one so yeah it's good sweet thanks for the reminder ben i always i do always forget about the se and that is a great little watch so yeah i think that's what we got for today and you, unless you have anything else mr mr braun uh we could cover the next thing next week we'll cover the next thing next week good okay so we got to come back so i guess we're doing this again one last time one last mm-hmm. time <laughs> one last time until we do it again again one more time again always one more time all right thanks for listening folks thanks for hanging out with us thanks for sending in all your questions and your tips and your cool stuff found even if we don't get to them in the show we really do try to get to everything every week we don't always succeed but we often succeed we do prioritize those things that you premium listeners send in to premium at MacGeekGab.com. So, uh, so please know that if you are uh, someone who sends uh, and, uh, us, you know, uh, your your hard earned funds via our premium program, then you get to send email also to premium at MacGeekGab.com. And we do prioritize those, but really the secret is we try to get to everybody because uh, you know we love what we get to do here. It's amazing. And we like to help, too. Like, combine those two things together. We're suckers for it. Your email comes in. We want to help. We want to answer. Even if we don't have the answer. We often don't have the answer. But that's what we do the show for. We're all community here. We get to, you know, help each other. And it's a wonderful thing. I love it. Uh, All right. That's what I got. You got anything else, John, before we we mosey on out of here? All right. Sweet. Thanks for hanging out with us for uh, all this time. Tell somebody about the show. That's our, our ask for this week. Find a friend, find somebody somewhere, tell them how much you love the show, and uh, and we'll go from there. We make it easy for you. If you want to share little snippets, you can go to the Mac Geek Up YouTube channel and, and find the little snippets of the show to share, but you can just share the show. Just tell people to check it out. We'd love that. Check out our sponsors, too. MacGeekUp.com slash sponsor. All right, that's it. John, you got to have at least something else to share them. Share them. Share with them. Don't Always. share them. And what I like to share with you is one piece of advice, and that's don't get caught. That's good advice. That's good advice. I got caught, though. I had the wrong thing up. So now we play the thing. Don't get caught like me. There it is. Made up.